So last week we we talked about the tension of humility and self-worth. And this week we want to talk about pushing yourself and giving yourself grace. So we can imagine any number of like inspiring quotes or images on both sides of this, right? Like, you know, stroll through social media or Reddit or just like, you know, take a, a moment on the internet and you're going to find things on both sides of this that are inspiring, that are great, right? Like I love, uh, one of my favorites is uh, Glennon Doyle's We Can Do Hard Things. That is, that's like one of my favorite things. That's on that side of like, push yourself. You, we can do hard things. That's so meaningful to me and important. And we have, we have friends who have uh, a big sign of we can do hard things on the wall in their house. And I just love that. And like, you can look at that and think about that. Uh, like, yeah, I, I can do hard things. I, my life is found beyond my comfort zone. And that's really meaningful and inspiring to me. And on the other side, I still remember the freedom that I felt when uh, the first time I heard uh, a friend of mine who is a pastor say to me, you are not responsible for not doing what God has not called you to do. <laughs> and just how freeing that was to like, oh my gosh, I carry so much responsibility. I push myself so much. Sometimes it's the exact opposite of that first message that I need to hear that is so meaningful to me. You know, in, in current news, Simone Biles was an inspiring example of exactly this, right? Like we we promised we actually planned this uh, discussion before this all happened this week at the Olympics. But I think this is this is exactly the type of thing that we want to activate is the tension that Simone Biles shined a spotlight on with her courageous act and doing so in public. Uh, so both of these are true, pushing yourself and giving yourself grace. They are in tension with each other. They seem opposed, but they actually need each other in order for us to find a full life. Um, we are aware that um, there, you know, depending on your experience, depending on where you come from, depending on your position in society or uh, your uh, wh where you how how you feel on sort of like the mental health spectrum of like healthy versus a little bit not healthy and looking for looking for resources. Depending on where you are on any one of those spectrums, you might be triggered in different ways by either one of these kinds of messages, right? One might trigger you more than the other, or one might feel like water on dry land more than the other. This is going to be different for all of us. So we want to highlight this really universal tension that, that is, is important for all stuff to talk about. And Kyle and I are going to share some stories, but we also need in the chat you to share your stories today because this is going to be different for every human being. It's not going to be exactly the same. And, and Kyle and I are too similar. So we need to get more stories here, but can we kick it off here? I think we can, we can start to give people an imagination Get, get people searching their minds for how is this true for them? How do they have to hold this tension? So Kyle, if I can invite you in here, mm -hmm. um, how does the tension play out for you of pushing yourself and giving yourself grace? You know, I, th there's a lot of things that I have experienced to be at play when you're talking about the parts of you that are, and, and when I think about pushing myself, it's the parts of me that are pushing myself to become a better and healthier person, pushing myself to participate in uh, the work of justice coming to the world we live in, pushing myself to be part of trying to make this world uh, closer to what I believe God longs it to be. Um, and then the moments of realizing that I have limited energy, limited bandwidth, limited space within myself. Um, and then also the fact of, to me, of what happens when the times when I do push myself to do something and I don't seem to see movement, whether it's the efforts that you put to like 
you know, make yourself healthier. And then you realize, you know, I haven't actually lost any weight yet. Or it's the efforts that you do to try to combat systemic racism. And yet it feels uh, stagnant in the, the policies and budgets of the, the cities you live in. Um, it's those moments of feeling the cynicism grow within me of uh, what happens of how I push myself and not fall into cynicism. And I think of one story in particular that hit all of these beats for me. Um, it was uh, when Vince and I were first starting this church, we had a group of uh, pastors that we would meet with. And Vince and I were, uh, I think, the only two pastors there that believed uh, firmly that Jesus uh, had, would have a heart of inclusion and love uh, for our LGBTQ plus neighbors, uh, friends, followers of Jesus. And so in these meetings was this constant, uh, I think, internal wrestling of uh, I really feel the need to push. I feel the need to uh, be in this space and take the influence I have in this space to challenge uh, the ways of thinking, challenge the assumptions of the other pastors here. I think that it can be, uh, I think it's incredibly damaging for them to hold the positions they're holding for the people in their church of seeing uh, anything less than uh, loved and fully accepted um, for our queer friends. And there is this constant balance of these meetings of feeling this internal push of, I really want to see difference happen here. I want to push towards more um, and leaving it feeling incredibly disheartened, uh, feeling like there were absolutely not ears to hear what we were going to say, uh, no movement at all in terms of perspective change and feeling the cynicism of those moments come through. And Vince and I did these meetings with uh, other pastors for a couple years. And there was this, there was really an ebb and flow for me. And the question that came up to us was, it, are we, do we push this every single time it comes up? Are we challenging every word that's being said? Are we uh, calling out everything that's going to happen? I'm just going to say, I don't know if I ever found the right answer, but there was this balance of having to figure out uh, what is that drive to see a world that is more just, wanting to push ourselves to be activated, more than just being activated in our own church, trying to create a space of inclusion, but actually pushing these other pastors to reconsider their perspectives, wanting to see that but then also having to battle the deep emotional cost for when you're trying to push people around you and having them uh, rebuff you, having them not receive you. And the cynicism that comes in from that place of like, what is the point? What am I even gonna, like, why am I gonna keep challenging you when I know you're not gonna listen to me? Um, and then at moments feeling like, well, I'm, I think I just need to, for my own self, I'm just going to step back from this conversation. But then feeling this deep letdown and disappointment in myself of like, I didn't speak up in that moment where I needed to speak up. And this is an example for me of a space that I never found the balance in. I never found that space of when was the moment to have grace for myself and realize that uh, this was not going to be a group of people to be receptive of me. And then when was the moments where regardless of being receptive, I was not going to let things being said that I thought were untrue. And the tension of those two things and my inability to found, find that uh, left me in a really disheartened space and has since uh, really helped me see how important it is for me to try to pursue uh, living in some kinds of tensions, but also recognizing that I at times have to figure out uh, how to have grace for myself in the moments where I never feel like I have clarity on how to hold that tension.
Um, I wonder if anything like that resonates with you, Vince, or of any other stories of trying to figure out this tension of action and grace for yourself uh, comes into play. Yeah, definitely. Um, but just briefly on that comment, because I think you made an interesting one of like, do we ever really figure it out? Like, is this something that is worth talking about? Because if we all talked about it enough, we could we could figure that out and then we'd be better at this. I, I don't know if that's true. Like, I just, maybe I'm like a bad salesperson because it's like, hey, we made this our topic for today and we're going to show you guys how to figure out the tension. But I don't like I don't think we do have the magic like formula for how to figure out the tension. Right. No, I mean, I think that's the thing about tensions is you, you don't really figure out a tension because at all points you're trying to pull from each side. And the goal in figuring out a tension is not the answer. It's to figure out which tension am I not holding tight enough so I'm being pulled in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's being very present, I guess, in the moment. So I suppose that that describes the story that I thought of um, it, it very, very recent, like the last month is sort of the uh, where, uh, where I've been living in this tension and feeling stuck. And I think I have not been very present. And maybe that's why it's caused me so much uh, stress. Um, so all of this surrounds like um, I, I, I imagine there's probably others in uh, our community or uh, that that receive like local political action texts or emails um, for something that you've signed up for or just something that you were interested in and you want to learn more about or you want to be a part of or you were active in for it at some point and maybe are less active or more active right now, but you still receive the information about it. And um, if you are in Chicago, perhaps you have received an uptick in those because the Chicago city budget cycle was moved up. It's normally in November and it's like being pushed up. Maybe it will even happen in September. And, um, and so a lot of the, a, a lot of the causes and um, uh, will activism in Chicago will say the city budget is a moral document, right? Like what you put money towards shows your values. It shows who you give dignity to, what you care about, what matters. And, uh, and so a lot of, you know, like I'm, I'm receiving lots of messages about like, Hey, the city budget is uh, cycle has moved up and evidently alder people are on recess in August. And so we really need to meet with our alder people. I got so many last month because it was like August, you know, today is August 1st. Right. And, and July, it was like, you got to meet with your alder people about this. If you care about X, Y, or Z, you got to meet with your alder person about this. If you care about X, Y, or Z, you got to meet with your alder person about this. And it, it just like all, uh, every week I would receive lots of calls to action. And on one hand, I would feel like, yes, I, this, this is really important. I need, I need to like, I can do hard things, you know, like, let me, let me figure out like, how can I help? I, I know that this is, that this is a lot, but I, I can do it. Like, when can I make this happen? And then I would feel this next voice, which was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm exhausted. And uh, th this summer has not been a break in work for me. It's been an uptick in work for me. Maybe that's different for other people, but it's not true for you, Vince. You, you feel really tired right now. You can't add another thing. Like, just, you know, like, take it easy. But then I hear a voice talking to that voice. And it's like, yeah, but really, you know, like, you're just, you're just having a hard time saying yes, because, you know, you're, you're relatively privileged, Vince. And, you know, like, you, you, you probably like are used to a level of comfort and you can push through this, right? You can do hard things. And I just feel back and forth the ping pong game of, I, I, I feel inspired by both messages. I feel drawn by both messages. I'm not sure which one to do in the moment. And I, and I think that kind of what we just discussed of like, 
I'm not able to be present in those moments. I'm constantly thinking about it in like a, what's the, what's the right thing for me to do? And I'm not sure if that's going to reveal anything for me in, in the moment because it isn't a matter of what's the right thing to do. Both of these things are the right thing to do. Giving myself grace is a right thing to do. Pushing myself to be a part of something bigger than me is a right thing to do. What does it mean for right now? That is more a question of being present to the immediate moment and not me comparing myself to what is the right thing on some standard. Yeah, I think I the thing that I resonate a lot with this whole experience to me is uh, trying to figure out what is the thing that's pulling me to do something, to act in something. What is the pressure that's happening within? Um, and, and for me, it's been trying to figure out what do I feel like is actually what God has for me, you know, so there's a, this, there's lots of, uh, references to like calling in the Bible. Um, and I think I grew up, uh, reading like, you know, what, what Moses was called to, what Aaron was called to, what the different Old Testament prophets were called to the calling of the disciples. And for the way that I, that was interpreted for me was the kind of like, find your calling in life. Um, like, what do you want to be? Are you called to be a dentist? Are you called to be an accountant? Are you called to be a pastor? Um, and th really equating calling to vocation. Um, however, I had a, a one professor who did his entire uh, PhD on calling and his conclusion essentially was, is there is no example of vocational calling in the Bible, except in extremely rare cases. The idea that God has created you to be this- To do one thing forever. This one yeah. thing forever. Yeah. You are a teacher, you are a whatever. Uh, it, you know, I, there might be some people that that is true, but it's very far from a universal experience. And it's not something that is actually uh, well-grounded in the Bible. What the Bible does have is lots of stories of people being called to specific actions. Okay. Being called mm -hmm. to specific things that are not permanent, you know, maybe a great example is Moses being called to free the Israelites from Egypt. That is a time-bound, specific injustice, specific reality that he was called to do. Um, and essentially, the, the idea here is that God is calling us to things all the time, but they are not, uh, they're not the kinds, they're not often lifelong callings. They're not often vocational callings. Most of us will probably go through life uh, if looking as our job as a way to enable what's happening with us and the idea that we're going to find a job that has that innate meaning and calling um, history. And again, the Bible would not so much support that. However, for me wrestling with what is God calling me to feels like the important piece in figuring out where are the spaces I need grace and where are the spaces I need to be pushing myself. I like that. I, lo I love that idea of understanding calling as moment to moment, as situational, not, I mean, it, it, you're, you're kind of like, uh, opening my eyes to see like a one, yet another th a way that we are really, really American when we read the scriptures of these ancient peoples who lived in totally different cultures. And we're like, well, calling. Yes, that I that that's about your career, right? Because we're so career focused. And so um, that's a that's a really, really interesting uh, point. And it actually kind of feels I wonder if it feels freeing because one um, one one difference that I think is going to play out amongst a lot of people in our community who and, and you might be one of them if you're watching right now, we'd love to hear from you in the chat is if you have uh, work that uh, does not like in and of itself offer you inherent meaning. Um, and so th this is a way that Kyle, you and I are kind of on the 
uh, we are outliers in the world because it's like my the way I make my money, the way I pay my bills is connected to something that fills me with purpose. Uh, and I and and I think that you feel the same both for your work in the church and for your work with the uh, the before school program. And that that's not everybody, right? Like a lot of people have jobs that it's like, well, this pays the bills. What, what does it mean to find meaning in my job? Well, that has to do more with the relationships that I build, the way I treat people, the, you know, maybe, maybe down the line, it's an indirect connection to some sort of purpose, but that's not true for everybody in a capitalist society. And so we'd be especially curious to hear for you, like, what does it look like when, you know, pushing yourself to be a part of something bigger, kind of like, you know, me receiving these local political action text messages or emails. I have some, I have a, another level of privilege in that I can say, well, I'm doing all of these other things because my job, you know, like gets me involved in caring for people and being in each, being people's lives and praying for people and helping them, you know, overcome crises. So I don't have to do that thing that I'm being asked to do, even though it's really important. I can like, I can tell myself, you know, make myself feel okay. But perhaps you can't if you feel like you're in work that, you know, sometimes feels like it steals your soul. Uh, that is a really, really hard dynamic. That's a different struggle than I have to face. And so I'm, I'm especially curious to hear more experiences around that. Yeah, it just makes me think a little bit more about this professor and some of the research that he found of like, if just looking at biblical examples, what were the people called to do? Um, usually it was people called to rise up and address an injustice that they and those with them were experiencing. So okay. it's very much, it's about the localized experience of like, what, what, is, what am I in the midst of? Uh, with the exception of a few moments where you have people that are experiencing social privilege, you know, Paul is an example of this, somebody that had the rights of a Roman citizen, and then he's able to go around and actually address further, a, a much larger number of things that he is uh, hmm. Spreading what Jesus is doing in the world around him, and essentially, I think the way that we—it's really important to—I think for us to recognize that the the experience of marginalization and oppression and injustice that we ourselves are uh, experiencing, I think, will shift and change the areas that we are activated. Uh, like, I am sure that Jesus—I mean, God was grieved by things going on in the Babylonian Empire, but with Moses, Moses as somebody who was born a Jew in in Egypt at that point, it was a localized calling. So like, what are the things that are impacting you? And I think that for us to start to think about for us, what are the things that we are the most immediate to? What are the things that are right in front of us? Not to say that all of a sudden God can't call us to other things and you could feel a drawing right there. But I think often we, the way we think about activism can feel really big and yeah. distant. And I think it's helpful to think about it more as a, a local, like what are the things that impact me and where do I have spice, space to advocate for those, those things, I think. And for you and me as somebody who experience uh, the level of privilege we do, we're going to see this in a completely different lens. Um, and we also have the level of uh, social space to wrestle with some of these things and have to decide whether or not we're going to engage with them, which for the majority of, of humanity, there is injustices that is not a choice of, of whether we're going to wrestle with those things or not, because they are just part of what the broken social structure around us lives in. Yeah, and it's it, part of this maybe comes back to uh, the idea that we all kind of... Um, uh, we live in a time where we are more aware of what's going on in the world than anybody ever in the history of life. And, um, and that can add to the level of responsibility that you might feel 
and um, and the this this activates that tension once again is like we mustn't uh, overwhelm ourselves with responsibility. I, I go back to that um, that that phrase that was so helpful to me. You are not responsible for not doing what God has not called you to do, and that makes even more sense in light of your idea of calling being very situational, very moment to moment. So that that's really important for us to offload um, some of those uh, isolating or um, uh, you know the, the things that sort of stop us uh, and and make us uh, stagnant because we we can't act at all because we feel paralyzed. Um, it 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 helps to it helps to lessen some of that, and at the same time, then we have to pull in that tension of like okay so people for centuries have been able to look around them and see what's immediately there. And what does it look like for me to react there when the internet is at my fingertips and I can see so many things that might, you know, like overwhelm that sense of responsibility. Where's my responsibility best placed is, is an interest. It's, it's almost as though we do all have a capacity for this, but it's like, if we, if we don't find places uh, that, that actually can be acted on to, to match that capacity, we start to feel everything is out of whack and we're either doing too much and burning out or we're overwhelmed and short circuited and can't act at all. You know, where I'm at right now in my life is I've, I've realized that I have two uh, factors that really pull my attention that uh, I think really come before my instinct to be able to hear what God has for me. Um, and to me, what I associate with God has for me is all the things that are actually good, life-giving, sustaining, the things that actually are going to be participating in the most justice in the world around me. However, for me, the two other factors that are almost always louder than that, that I have to quiet myself to get past is first, what people around me will approve. Um, mm -hmm. And often mm -hmm. this is, you know, and this is even like me imagining like, my childhood vision of my parents, but what would they think is a good idea? Or even specifically the people in my life right now, what would they say? Oh, good job by you. I think this is a, I think this is a real thing that people that call themselves progressive have to think about is how much behavior is motivated by feeling good on social media or feeling like we're, we're doing that. And the reason that matters, yeah, not just social media, just the people around you, right? Exactly. Like feeling, feeling, feeling a, a recognition. Recognition yeah. is, is a, it, it's a contact sport and it can get ugly. Exactly. And there's a real sense of like, um, look at all the boxes I checked there. But the thing is, if we're just looking for approval, like where, like, where does it end? Like there's literally, uh, there's going to be somebody in our life that's passionate about uh, lots. Of, if we surround our ourselves with people that are looking for God's calling in moving towards justice, hopefully we have a ton of people in our life that are all super passionate about different things. And if we are walking around trying to think through the lens of what's the approval of the people around me, we inevitably are going to take on the responsibilities of things that we are not called to. Um, and then the second thing to me, and this this has to do with what I, I, I kind of titled the the scales of justice. Like to me, there's this contract of like what would make me can be considered a good person. Uh, mm. Like maybe it's nobody in my life is going to approve this, but I I have this construct in my head of what a good person does, and so therefore, like a good person, uh, uh, for example, would I don't know 
recycle more. And that's like, a, this is a virtue signal thing in my head that nobody else in my life is monitoring my recycling. Nobody else is celebrating that. But I have a thing in my own head of like what I have constructed through my upbringing in my childhood. This is what a good thing is. So I'm motivated by this desire to be considered a good person. That is also often distracting me from what I feel like God's calling me to. What I have found is God is often a very third option. It's something that is not based in the approval of other people. And it, at times can actually mean that I'm making a choice that would get disapproval from other people. Uh, secondarily, it's not about me just checking off a box of being a good person. That's a little bit of my evangelical upbringing of wanting to like check off my sin list that I've, I've, I've landed on the right side of. But actually a third option, which is actually um, the intertwining of a God that's pursuing justice and a God that's caring for me. And, that's a, and, and so actually doing that thing is actually going to be good for me. And so for me, that has been finding out the, the two areas in my own life that I have for the last few years really felt called has to do with systemic racism in our educational system and has to do with the systemic brokenness of our society around homelessness. Um, and those are two areas that I have felt really called towards. I have felt a sense of pulling and there has been a symbiotic relationship as I pursue those things that I feel like God is caring for me and opening me up. But there's a whole bunch of other things in the world I will tell you matter a lot. But have, but, the, but have not felt like a calling for me. Now, could I be wrong? Should I be doing more recycling? Should I be doing these other things? I will tell you, yes. But this is where the space where I need to ask for God's grace and approval for me and myself and trying to figure out what that tension is. Yeah, there, there is a, a huge degree of um, part of what living out this tension well is is uh, filtering out voices. Um, and maybe that ties to what we were saying earlier. It's just we live in a time where there are more voices and, the, and more possibility of voices forming us, demanding that we conform to uh, what they say is a good person, what they say is a full life. Um, it can come from religious voices. It can come from political voices. It can come from family voices, any number of things, a Ted talk, you know, like I come from anything. And, uh, some of the, you know, the, those are the things that can inspire us and light a passion underneath us. And then they are the things that can become these, the, these taskmasters that demand that we conform to them. And, uh, and that's really hard. It is really hard to, um, to sift that. I wonder if, if one of the, you know, like, again, we, I don't necessarily think that we can, in discussing this, solve any problems for, you know, for all time. But I wonder if one of the spiritual insights uh, that can be uh, prove really helpful here is this, this, like, kind of enigmatic story from the Old Testament about the prophet Elijah. And uh, this is maybe a famous one. So perhaps you have some familiarity with uh, Elijah ends up in a cave and, uh, and he, is, he is terrified for his life and he is searching for God and uh, trying to figure out what to do next because he, he's literally in survival mode and he, it, he's not planning out for the future. He's trying to figure out like, how do I make it through tomorrow? And the, uh, the, the story is really beautiful. It's, it's sort of one of those classically one beautiful like Hebrew texts where there's like something happens in, in, in a set of three, right? Like we, we love stories that happen in a set of three. And it says that three things went by, but God was not in those three things. An earthquake, and God was not in the earthquake. The wind, but God was not in the wind. And a fire, but God was not in the fire. And then it says, 
there was a gentle whisper. And that is where Elijah hears God's voice about how to move on to the next thing. And I just think that is a beautiful, beautiful story of what it means. I think it's a very, it's a, it's an incredibly modern story that we can take to today. There are loud, obnoxious, terrifying, anxiety-provoking noise and voices in our lives that will demand that we listen to them. But maybe God is not in those things. God is more in the gentle whisper. And so there is a degree of quieting ourselves, of removing, of filtering, as you're saying, Kyle, that, uh, that, that is required to live out this tension well. Um, if, before we go on too much longer, I'm wondering if we can rope in Abby at this point and see what's been coming up in the chat, um, different experiences or different like cool insights of like, hey, this is how I hold the tension. Yes, sorry, I forgot about the unmute thing. Um, yeah, no, there's there is a lot of good conversation that's happening, and I think um, just also first of all, I appreciate people for um, sharing in the chat because I know that that's like also you're opening yourself up to like sharing your personal experiences. So um, thank you for doing that because I think there's a lot of good discussion that's happened from that. Um, Linda just responded. Um, that she, you know, she resonated with that idea that um, Rebecca um, said about doing the next right thing, but also just brought in her own perspective as um, being a person of color and and really um, kind of telling, re reminding us that 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 there's not the privilege for standing up for social justice when you are the target of it, and so that burden of um, wanting to, you know stand up for yourself and stand up for other people while also living out the tension of that really not being a fair responsibility um, to only be placed on people of color. Um, and it's, you know, not to like, that is not anyone's job to make um, white people feel better for uh, or learn more. Um, so I appreciate that comment. Um, and then Rebecca also found some inspiration in Frozen 2. Um, which I love and that, as I kind of mentioned, the next right thing. And so just kind of taking it one, one thing by one thing, as you were both mentioning, um, to just, you know, what in that moment is the right thing to do? And it's not always going to be the same right thing every time. Um, that sometimes it's just sitting with your feelings or your brokenness and sometimes it's taking action. Um, and that bravery can look a lot of different ways. Um, and then Karen also just spoke to the tension of being a mediator in her family. And I uh, don't, I imagine that there are also other people who um, resonate with that as well in, in terms of just setting boundaries within your family and how that can be one of the hardest things to do. I think um, you also mentioned, you also talked a little bit about that, but just that um, doing a hard thing and a good thing are sometimes the same thing, but they don't feel that way. Um, and so just kind of that difficulty of taking care of yourself um, when it seems like like maybe that's the wrong thing to do, but it, it really is giving yourself grace. That's super helpful, Abby. I, I'm wondering if after hearing uh, in particular uh, what Linda is sharing about um, uh, from the perspective of somebody who is a person of color, and who is often tasked with responsibility that should not be theirs to carry. I wonder if um, a lot of what we need is the right role models for ourselves. We talked a little bit about like voices that will just demand that we conform to them. And 
sometimes because those voices are so distant or that we don't, you know, like they're, they're some famous person or they're some person on social media or they're, they're some like, they're not actually a person. It's like a conglomeration of ideas that have like, you know, come to, come to be something that you think everyone holds. Those can feel really impersonal and hard to follow. And that, and that can be really, that can be the thing that causes us anxiety. But when we can find role models who live in the world in the same way we do. So for someone like me, uh, it's really important for me to find role models who have a similar positionality and are uh, and are are, are operating uh, responsibly, who are doing you know like uh, owning w uh, their privilege in the world and taking real steps and and uh, doing those things in ways that I can see myself you know kind of be like oh. I, I want to be like them. Likewise, as Linda is sharing, for someone like Linda, it's important for her to find somebody who can be a role model for her. And that's going to be different than the person who's going to be a role model for me. What does it look like to live out this tension given who you are, the things that make you you, the identity pieces that make up who you are and how you live in this world? It is really important for us to find people to model ourselves after uh, that we really trust and that can... Um, that, that can speak intelligently to our situation. Like they're not just like guessing or they're not just saying, oh, this should work. It should work for everybody. Uh, but it re they really feel like they're trustworthy on the matter because that is that version of looking to others for help that's really good, not the version that just adds demands to us or feel like that, feels like that recognition game, which is endless and never fulfilling. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, I think about like practically to me, like what are the what are what are some of the practical ways that I try to work this out? There's three things that I think we we all should hold with us and consider when we're trying to think about where we activated and where do we have grace on ourselves. Um, and so, for the sake of alliteration, we're going to go with three S's here. Uh, I'm and I, so impressed. I know. You are truly a pastor today, Kyle. Three yeah. S's. Go for it. Three S's. This is uh, my five point sermon here. Um, so it's season, struggle, and space. And so I think we need to really always consider first, what's the season we're in? Uh, we are going to ebb and flow in the seasons of our life. And that's not necessarily like fall, wind, spring, uh, fall, spring, winter, whatever. It could be the season of having children under the age of four. They could be the season of finishing up uh, school before I go on to work. It could be the season of being a first year teacher. It could, I think we are all, we go through seasons in life where we need to figure out what season we're in right now and just be, be, be kind of fearlessly honest about what is true of the season we're in. And if we are in a season where what is being asked of us, the responsibilities of our life, we understand to be full and heavy, then I think we're gonna need to be extra uh, on the grace for ourselves in those spaces. We're gonna need grace. Uh, if we are in a season where we actually have hit a rhythm and a balance, we're a fifth year teacher, we don't have to come up with curriculum every year now, I'm, you know, I, it's a season, I'm not doing summer school this year or whatever you're at right here, my kids just, are now going back to, or like in kindergarten now, and you recognize I'm in a different season, it, I think that maybe the tension we're being pulled towards in there is probably a space for action. Um, and so I think that's that the one thing to, is really consider what season you are in and understand that the season that you were in a month ago may be different than the season you're in today. So the second piece is, is struggle, which is I think it's important to recognize what struggles you're dealing with.
um, and realize what does it mean uh, for me to give of myself to other things given my struggle. So if you're somebody that is struggling with mental health in the midst of the pandemic, uh, if you're somebody who has young kids, if you're spending your energy uh, at invited or spending your energy towards some outer cause that is making it so that you are not able to work on your own mental health well you probably need to live with some grace on that because if you're not okay you're not going to be able to be an effective advocate um, likewise if you have young kids and your activism is taking it so that like you can't actually show up and be there uh, because you're in the struggle of having to care for young kids then you probably need to take that into consideration if you're missing your own responsibilities in life because you're activated about other things I think that's something to consider uh, and also just consider the struggle of where you live um in terms of our social identities uh like it really does matter for 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 people who are white and male like me to consider the lack of struggle i have in my daily life due to my social identity and why that calls me to certain action where some people the daily struggle of our social identity means that we need to live with some more grace and the last thing i have is space which is I don't think that the tension works well as a total oscillating, sometimes I'm grace and sometimes I'm action. I think we need to build in space in our daily and weekly life where we are experiencing grace. Because I really, I do not think we can have action at all without grace. I think in some ways uh, you can have grace with no action. You just sit in apathy around that. But you, you I don't think you can have, uh, my daughter's, excuse me right now. Um, and daily routines of, of care are really important. Did you come up with the three S's just now on the spot? Or was that, is that something that you prepared for us? Well, those were the three points I wanted to say. And then I spent your whole last point figuring out if I could do it in an alliteration form. I, I, am, I am so impressed. That was really, really helpful and really good. And, um, you know, it's, it's not you haven't impressed me before, but that was really great. So well done there, Kyle. Um, yeah, I, I just think, I think that, um, I'd love to, for us to end on, um, a, a practical note. So yeah, like, uh, let us know also just to, as you're hearing Kyle share of like, what are that, what helps, you know, in this, uh, what, what do we do? And I just think that is about as comprehensive as it gets of season struggle and space asking those questions are a real door opener. I think for figuring out if this is so if this, if this, what we're talking about, the tension here, it, you have to do it in the present. You have to do it in the moment. It is not a plan out for the future, have a, a principle that you can live by forever. It is really moment to moment and, and listening for that gentle whisper. This, this is going to be have to, it's going to have to be something that we have the right questions to ask ourselves. And that's a really good starting point. What is the season I'm in? What is the struggle that, you know, that I'm, or what are the struggles that currently face me? And then what kind of space uh, do, do, have I made for myself? Uh, it's really, really helpful. Yeah, I think I, I I just appreciate all of uh, the the stuff that has gone in the text. I appreciate uh, again, Abby, your your concise descriptions of rephrasing what we've said. It's even better than what I said. So thank you. Is there uh, Abby? Is there anything else just on this on this topic of uh, being practical, or just in general that we that we can mine from the chat before we close up in prayer? Um. Yes, but I haven't quite read it yet because they just came in. Um, oh, can we do it? We'll do it live and on the fly. I haven't, I haven't uh, 
read them all. <laughs> That's so good. I'm so glad. To the chat to read it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm so. I'm so glad the chat is happening. This is yeah, great. It's happening and right now. Oh. <laughs> we can pull up. Okay. I'm looking and I'm seeing. Um, Erica Shan, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to read on the fly because this is, this is really great. So it says, as a, as a black woman, I'm learning that I need to maintain the ability to personally advocate for myself and my group. Ultimately, I've learned that in most spaces, no one is going to advocate for me and the way I advocate for myself, but that is exhausting. And in seasons of my life where I'm personally advocating for myself, that doesn't leave the energy to advocate the engage other forms of advocacy. But in other seasons where I have that energy, I want to invest those other spaces as well. I just, I mean, that's a perfect encapsulation of those three dynamics that we're talking about is uh, it sounds like Erica is doing an awesome job of stopping and asking each of those axes questions. What what are what is the the season that I'm currently in that uh, that's going to change? And like, like Kyle said, the season can be three months long. A season can be three years long. It, it kind of depends. What are the struggles that are currently facing me? Um, how do those stack up against each other? What is occupying most of my brain space or my anxiety space right now? And then finally, what space am I making for myself so to, that you know gives me the reserves to to act? I just, I mean, again, this is this is not going to be one of those situations where we find like, oh, that was the magic formula that makes it work. But I just in in this comment that Erica just shared, I just see asking those questions well, and that is what's going to lead us to being able to do that tension the best that we can. Um, one little nugget that I'll add that just seems like a good like thing to kind of encapsulate a lot of things that you're saying is that Alicia shared um, just some wisdom from a grief coach that, um, who says, all I can do is all I can do and mm. all I can do is enough. Mm. This is so good. This is so good. I'm also seeing Hope bring up um, the, the, the spectrum of mental health, like where we are. I do think that it's really important to understand um, when we're talking about those two poles, the, the, the inspiring message of, you know, like you can do hard things said to somebody who's experiencing depression or anxiety can be extremely belittling. And, uh, and so that's really important. Uh, and likewise, uh, saying to somebody who, uh, saying the, the message of like, you know, just, just, uh, just have grace for yourself, you know, don't, don't take it easy on yourself. Don't, you know, to somebody who's maybe struggling with resentment and believing that, you know, like they're doing everything and no one's doing anything for them that can cause further problems and, and codependency or anger issues. And so really understanding where are we on uh, mental health spectrums is another really important thing for us to, to flag here as we figure out how this works out for each of us individually. Again, universal struggle, but not universally dealt with well. I agree. I fully agree with all that. My, my daughter also agrees with uh, uh, the struggle of, of home with one parent is the is is true. But I, I think the, the thing out of all of this that I want to hold is that um, I think we have to uh, move away from action thinking it is about elevating kind of our, our moral selves like we I'm a better person because of my action and turn it towards the idea that people that are participating and seeing the kingdom of God come to earth people who are participating and seeing justice come to places of injustice truth coming to place of lies uh rightness coming to the places of brokenness is the best and most alive experience we can have in this world. Those moments where we feel aligned 
with the divine reality of this world that longs for good and truth, that is a deeply powerful experience for ourselves. That's not about us being a better person, but participating in the kinds of life that we actually deeply long for. And that this is actually a piece of, uh, that we need to acknowledge privilege too, that the ability to have the space to care for other people is a way that privilege is actually played uh, a role in my life. And it's also a way that a lack of privilege steals from us in this world because it deprives our ability to be able to be there for other people, which is innately a, a broken reality. Yeah, I, I, I think that, um, that that again speaks to the way that these two need each other, right? Um, we are not speaking of... Um, we're not, we're not, the tension here is not between like times when we do act, you know, in line with our moral values and times when we choose not to. It's like, no, like actually these are both on the side of living a full life, living the good life as we understand it. This is not a matter of like, oh, I, I sometimes do things that other people will look at and think, what a noble guy. And then I other, I other times do something else, you know, and when they call me, you know, a uh, selfish person, I just, you know, I, I don't take it. It's like, no, no, th these are both actually in the realm of living a full life. They actually are both involved in that and calling one better or worse than the other, it, it's, it's kind of us falling into that trap and, we, and we, we, we are going to end up either totally burnt out or, you know, removed and isolated and, and, and risking apathy. I just, I, I, I'm so appreciative as we come uh, to the 1115 uh, uh, point on our clock. So we have to uh, bring this down to a close for now, but this is this has been awesome to get different perspectives. I just wanted to flag one more because I think it was a unique one, an important one that uh, Wendy shared uh, from Florida as somebody who has moved and is in a new setting now and trying to meet new people. Once again, I think going back to Kyle's three S's, that is another one of those situations where we have to ask the season question. What season am I in? This is a different season than I was in before. My rhythms for figuring out the balance between pushing myself and giving grace to myself is, is going to have changed. Uh, I, I think that, you know, that we, we can imagine any number of uh, changes in seasons for us. And may, maybe, that's, maybe that's a really important one for us to take away for, uh, for this week is just to really get clear on what season am I in? That's going to help us be present so that we can live out this this uh, this tension better, uh, no matter what it is we're facing. Uh, I, I really think. I mean, if we need inspiration again, I, I can I can punt back to uh, Simone Biles from this this last week of being in. Uh, this is an example of somebody who understood what season she's in, and and I and understood the struggle that she's facing, and understood the space that was available to her, given the fact that she's you know participating in this global competition, right? Like asked all the right questions on those three way in those three ways and then i think made a really a really healthy and courageous choice and uh, and we can take that as our inspiration in our own ways is if we're asking the right questions too i think we can we, we can we can live out this tension the best we can uh and maybe i can know whether to respond to that text this week or or not uh kyle as we finish up here would you uh would you pray for us absolutely well, Jesus, we uh, come to you right now and we ask for grace right now in the places that we need it. The places we need to say, I see something that I really want to do or I think I should do, but Lord, I just, I, I can't. I ask for some freedom for some of us that struggle with that. 
freedom for those of us that see a sense of self-value in the ability to always say yes. Lord, I, I pray that you would release a real uh, sense of care and value on us for saying no when we need to say no. But Lord, I also, I ask for calling. I ask for a calling on every single one of us here for this season right now, that we would feel a calling to something, something that fits within our bandwidth, something that fits within our ability to be healthy people ourselves and care for the people we love whether that is uh, big issues of justice that has to do with advocating for police reform, or it is a small act of knowing that we need to register to vote. Whatever that space of calling would be, Lord, that you know and you care for us, you love us and you accept us, and you have a desire for our lives to be rich and full, which means participating in the richness and fullness of others. You would invite us into the joy of sharing in your justice happening in this world. I pray that you would speak cleanly and clearly in those areas of space in our own life about what season we're in, that we would be have a clarity on where we're at right now and what we need in this space. And lastly, Lord, I ask for your help as a community to be sounding boards for each other that are not figuring out these things by ourselves, but bringing them to trusted people to say, I'm feeling like I wanna do this, this, and this, but this is my struggle. What seems reasonable? What seems good? What seems right? And that we can hear your voice in the concert of voices of our community. I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen.